A billion years ago, there was nothing but space Then one of God's wet farts blew all the planets in place There were no signs of life on Mars or Venus But planet Earth was blessed with two baby geniuses Baby geniuses, we know everything Baby geniuses, we know everything Baby geniuses, we know everything Baby geniuses, tell us something we don't know Hello, Hello, babies! Welcome to Baby Geniuses. I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Welcome to our show. Thank you for listening to us. I feel like that was a really strong start. Yeah, I think so. Feel Can good you guys about hear it. Indy slurping water in the background? I like having her around. She's the best. Just kind of dirtling <laughs> around the living room, <laughs> farting under the table. Brings me great comfort during these dark times. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. What are the things? That's a a good topic of conversation. What are the things that are bringing you comfort during these dark times? Oh, my God. Because for me, it's that teddy bear with the really long legs. Yeah, I think I think long leg bear is bringing us all a a great deal of relief. Everyone look at my Twitter if you haven't already, because I tweeted about it. But someone there's there's this teddy bear for sale on Amazon. And in the picture, the legs are very like the picture makes the legs look like normal length. But then you order it and it comes and the legs are like four feet long yeah they're like <laughs> taller than a child and there's a bunch of review- reviews about how the legs are bad <laughs> <laughs> just kind of makes me want it <laughs> i bet a lot of people are gonna get that bear for christmas oh yeah yeah i hope so yeah i wonder how their how their sales are doing probably pretty damn good yeah. oh god that's such a it's not an expense i mean it is an expensive joke because it's like a hundred dollars but it's Ooh, also that is a lot yeah. a joke that takes up a lot of space yeah. Yeah, those legs. Those Where do you legs. Keep those legs? <laughs> <laughs> they did a sketch on SNL last night about Margaret Holovat, the yeah. woman who jerked off the dolphin. I was watching it. I was just so shocked. It and was then, amazing. And it's so weird because they don't mention her name at all. Like they don't explain what it's referencing. So I'm yeah. sure like I really want to know how many people watching it know what the hell it was based parodying. on yeah i think it works even if you didn't know about that but yeah knowing about it it's like because it's just so weird yeah it's so weird it's very funny <laughs> tiffany haddish was great i still haven't watched the rest of the episode i've only watched that sketch but i love her everyone check it out if you haven't already okay. i've been traveling a lot oh yeah i did some college gigs last week i went to new orleans and i went to galesburg illinois how was that um it was cool it was like a very small town. Um, I was performing at Knox College, which was really fun. Um, but uh, it was it was a weird town. I was like, I had like a full day there, and I was like, I'll go get a massage. And I basically drove oh. around town all day and couldn't find a place to get a massage. <laughs> they don't have the Soothe app there. Oh, I didn't even open it. But they <laughs> don't have Lyft, so I yeah. don't. I Pro- doubt it. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and. I guess I, I there aren't a lot of stories I want to tell about being there, but I will say um, at the end of the night, I was driving back to my hotel in my rental car and I saw this like little dog running around and it was like really cold out and we Aww. were right by the train track. So I pulled over to be like, maybe the dog has a collar, maybe I can catch it and I don't know. And the dog started like running away from me and I was like, maybe I'll follow it, see if it calms down and, you know, uh, maybe it's like scared and maybe I can be soothing and so yeah. I like, followed it kept running down the street and I was like I don't know what to do at this point point. and then it like 
it stopped like a full block away from me and just turned toward me and started barking at me to go away. And it was like standing in front of this house, like barking. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh God, now the people in the house are going to get all like yeah. upset and I don't know what to do. Like this dog doesn't want my help, I guess. And then the door of the house opened and the guy whistled and the dog just ran in the house. Yeah. It was his dog who he just let out in the cold. Yeah. With no supervision. There's people on my street that do that with their dogs. Really? Like with full grown ass Labradors. I'm like, what the hell? That's. <laughs> uh, and anyway. You can't just have dogs running around. Every time I try to be a hero, something like that happens. <laughs> yeah. Just why, why even try? <laughs> but the good news is I'm about to get a silver medallion on Delta. That's very good without news. Without having a Delta credit card. That's terrific. I feel pretty excited about it. Yeah. I don't think that much is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Can you use a lounge or whatever? No. I used to not understand why those lounges were great, and now I get it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, just because you've spent enough time sitting at the shitty chairs at airports? Yeah. 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 Um, I like a lounge. Yeah. Uh, I like the class structure to be really, like, well-delineated. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <gasps> oh, my God. That reminds me. Bobby what? Jindal was on my flight to New Orleans. <laughs> Who's that? The former governor of New Orleans, who's like a shitty Republican. (laughs) Oh, Uh, shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) He's the guy who's, um, he's, uh, Indian American Uh and his like slow campaign slogan was like tanned, calm and ready or something. (laughs) It was like so fucked up and weird. That's kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you're not, it's not a tan. No. Yeah. You are a person of no, color. But, but that's like a way to explain it to white people yeah. that makes them uh, feel comfortable, you know? Yeah, just the worst, the worst impulse. Anyway, he was, so he used to be the governor of Louisiana. Everyone fucking hates him yeah, there. He's I think he crazy. left office with like a 6% approval rating or something. Jesus. Um, but uh, he was on my flight from LA to New Orleans um, last week and he was not in first class. Interesting. He was in Delta Comfort Plus. Man of the people. Yeah. He was sitting next to a dude with like like a white dude with a full grill and like a bunch of neck tattoos. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they had some good yeah. convo. And then um, when I got to New Orleans, um, the guy who gave me a ride from the airport, I was like, Bobby Jindal was on my flight. And he was like, how was that? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, it was weird. Uh, I was like, what's he up to these days? And he was like, hopefully nothing. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, he's a real piece of shit. Um, and I fuck, I still haven't watched it. But then I was hanging out with my friend who lives in New Orleans, and he was like, uh, "Shout out to Amitai if you're listening." I he listens to the show. He was telling me that I need to watch the um, video that uh, Bobby Jindal made announcing his candidacy, where he did like a hidden camera video of him telling his kids that uh-huh. he was gonna run and i think they're not excited yeah so there's like a plant obscuring the video the whole time i oh should i should have watched it before i started talking about it um but anyway fuck bobby jindal yeah <laughs> um fuck most politicians right now honestly 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 yeah um should we talk about um pervertedness <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> we both kind of tweeted the same sort of general idea yeah within like five minutes of each other well we're both like pretty pro pervert generally yeah. but we're both just like why can't you just be a pervert without hurting or traumatizing other people like i don't yeah yeah my yeah my thing was uh just like i i kept 
hearing or like reading people saying like, oh, well, I guess it turns out Louis C.K. is a pervert. And it's like the problem is not that he's a pervert. He's a predator. The problem is that he's a predator. Yeah. Um, he's getting yeah. off on the discomfort and mortification and paralysis of yeah. the females that he yeah. cornered. And the problem isn't that he likes to have people watch him jerk off. It's that those people don't want to do it. Yeah. And for the people who respond and say that it was consensual because he asked, no, that's not. That's not how consent works. Yeah. You don't corner someone and then while your pants are around your ankles, ask, is this okay? <laughs> while you're already yeah. like jerking Ugh. it or over the phone or, you know. Yeah. And um, for people who are like, well, why didn't they just leave the room? Why didn't they just hang up the phone? Like, lucky you, you've never experienced the paralysis that comes with. Yeah being presented with that like would you yell at a mouse for playing dead when a cat's hovering over it like it's just <laughs> yeah it's a response to a really stressful situation that he has put you in yeah um so i'm gonna say that that's on him <laughs> i mean i don't think we need to humor most of the responses people have had to this they bother me they really bother yeah. me because it happens every time and it's just like so hard to break through that that perception of that situation. Yeah. Um, I feel that like victim blaming is just so pervasive. I feel like so many of the responses don't come from a place of like actual like reason or passion, but just no. from like a knee jerk desire to dismiss what women are saying in general. Yeah. And like they work backwards from that to try to find something that makes any kind of sense. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And it's like, I wouldn't mind if people ask the question, why didn't they leave as long as they listen to the answer? Yeah. But none of them are listening to the no, answer. None it's of a, them it's are, a disingenuous are, question. None of them are genuinely curious to learn about what it's like to be a victim. And, oh, God, like so many different men were tweeting at me like, well, this is like diluting the experiences of real victims of sexual abuse because this isn't sexual abuse. And I'm like, why do you think that people are upset right now? Like, why do you think all the women tweeting about this have not experienced real sexual yeah. abuse? Like, Also, <laughs> let me scroll up on you. your timeline and see if you said jack shit about Cosby, you piece of shit. You piece of shit. Uh, you definitely didn't. Um, and like your reaction to this is to attack women online. I oh, got I see even even women are attacking like people that they saw as complicit. Like I saw people attacking Sarah Silverman, Pamela Adlon. I'm like, why is that your reaction to this? Yeah. Put the blame on him. Why is your first reaction to try and find a woman to blame for this stuff? And it's not like I take any joy in this. Like he was one of my favorite comedians. Like I, I still think about his uh, bit about like bank fees all the time. I mean, I really thought he was brilliant. Um, so yeah. I'm incredibly disappointed. Yeah. I do think <laughs> like, one bright thing about it is like I've gotten to read widely circulated brilliant pieces by, by a lot of women by a lot and, of women and people I think are yeah. very smart and people are reading them and listening to them, which is cool. Yeah, I really liked Laurie Kilmartin's piece and Guy Branham wrote a really yeah. good one too. And yeah. Yeah. It's it's raising a lot of issues that have been on my mind for a while that I feel like a crank for talking about. Yeah. But now it feels like it's like a nice time to actually discuss this stuff. I tweeted something about like auteur theory and it was, mm. you know, it was a tweet, so it didn't really get into depth about like how I think that plays into it. But I do think that this idea we have of like eccentric abusive men as geniuses whose yeah. behavior can be excused by their work. Um is fucking bullshit. <laughs> and those men clearly believe that too. Like, yeah. did you get 
Louis C.K.'s last email on from his mailing list. No. This was right before I unsubscribed. The entire email, it was like a rambling, panicked thing about his auteurship. It was like, and I made the movie in black and white because of this, and I think people will like it because of this, and here's what I meant about this. And I'm like, it is fucking insane to ramble this long about this crap while all these allegations are are going on. And it really yeah. just seemed like he was spinning out. Man. And he's like, I'm an auteur. Everything is fine. Um, I hate that shit. It was crazy. I just... <sighs> I feel like my and I, I realize I'm projecting my own experience that's like not so much to do with abuse as it is to do with misogyny in the industry. But my experience in the industry so far has been like brilliant women are treated by the industry as workhorses. Yeah. And mediocre men are treated as geniuses whose shortcomings can be talked away. And women yeah. have to women just don't get to act like that and get that same artistic freedom. Yeah, and, and only very recently have women be, been seen, or non-straight males been seen as lucrative in any way. Yeah, and it's still like, there are a few that are considered auteurs, but not many. Yeah. And I just think like, why do we place such a high value on not being able to collaborate with other people? That's, yeah. Be, it's because we don't value any traits that are seen as feminine. Yeah. And it's because... Yeah. Well, and if a man gets successful, it's like, oh, my God, he's such a genius. And if a woman does, it's like, who helped her? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, of course, people helped her. People help everyone, though. Yeah. People help Louis C.K. Like She just gave them credit for it. <laughs> yeah. She's not an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've also just worked for, like, inexperienced, incompetent men mm -hmm. who maybe had one good idea in their life. Mm -hmm. And people were like, well, that's enough. And it's like, I've had a ton of great ideas and you're not giving me what he has. Like, yeah. Anyway, nor would you ask to do something alone <sighs> or expect all the credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, there's one other thing that I want to address that I didn't want to write about online. Cause I feel like my parents follow me, but I saw a couple <laughs> people posting, no one ever wants to watch you jerk off. And I just want to say, I like watching guys jerk off. Yeah, um, I, that's. Uh, I was going to tweet a list of men I'd like to watch jerk off, and then I was like, I can't do this. But like, um, Greg Kinnear, if you want, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't say that. I just, I just don't like that take of like, just never do it. It's like, no, but if that's the thing you want to do, you can find someone who will do that willingly. Yeah, I've done it plenty of times. I just don't want it done at me. Yeah. Uh, out, you know, <laughs> catching me off guard in the workplace. Like, let's, yeah. you know, there's like maybe 10 steps that need to maybe happen. Maybe let's kiss first. Yeah, let's kiss a little and then, you know. Um, but yeah, I just I thought mean, of that. I'm freaky. I yeah. like that shit. Yeah. Uh, just don't okay make to, it scary. It's okay to like that shit. I don't want it to be a situation where if I say, no, stop doing that, I'm going to be afraid you'll retaliate and kill me. Like, yeah. <laughs> or ruin my career. Is that, or, yeah. Yeah. Is that so much to ask? Uh, when the Weinstein stuff broke, my sister was like, one thing that really bums, she posted this publicly, she was like, one thing that really bums me out about this is, I really love massages, and I wish, <laughs> and I hate that they're, and I was like, that's how I feel about watching guys jerk off. Yeah. Everyone's talking about how that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's only bad when you do it to women you have. I also <sighs> think, like, shame and humiliation and fear can be part of, like, a sexual. A healthy sexual. Yeah, that just has to be part of the game that you're in on. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what else should we talk about um oh i have some favorite new slime accounts oh, if cool. you want something to relax you um, yeah god you know i just feel like one of these slime teens is going to be president one day <laughs> <laughs> 
I think yeah. they really have their shit together. I'm really impressed by all of them. Yeah. Um, they're great. They've all got their own small businesses. A it's lot of like, them are friends. Like yeah. I watched one on Instagram stories. She was just like live chatting with her other slime friend. <laughs> And she was like in the UK and her friend was in America and they were like, it was just so cute. Um, uh, the ones I like most right now, uh, I wa- follow this one called sandisfy.me and there's one called sand.tagis and those ones are very sand they're specific. Sand ones, yeah. um, and it's just a lot of like knives slowly slicing <sighs> slices of sand and you can hear <laughs> the knife cutting through it. And then they're all like color coordinated. Like one of them will do like green sand for a while and then she'll blend up into orange. Ooh, so her account is like really beautiful, uh, curated well. Um, yeah, those are pretty, pretty nice. Um, on a similar note, and I think this is the last thing I wanted to talk about, was uh, one of my favorite ASMR artists uh, has just come back after a long unexplained hiatus. Um, and her first video was explaining like why she took a break. And mm-hmm. it was so interesting to me because she was basically saying like, I stopped doing it for a while because people at my church found out I was doing it and they thought that it was satanic. Oh my God. Cause she made these like really weird videos that I loved a lot of just like a lot of like incense and chanting and sort of like masks and stuff. And like, she was like, they thought that I was experimenting with the occult and um, she lives in Alaska. Oh my God. I I I found out all this stuff that I didn't know. What's her name? Her name is, I think it's ASMR from another planet. Uh, that's what <laughs> that's it awesome. used to be. She keeps changing her handle. Um, um, the Church of Satan retweeted my tweet about um, being an, like an ethical pervert. And I just want to say like <laughs> Satanists are actually really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's like a hardcore Christian. And she was yeah. like, I feel like I'm helping people. This doesn't feel unchristian to me in any no. way. And oh, it's, it's ASMR. Because it's, because it's sensual? Like, is that why? Um, I think it's just because she like is doing sort of fake magic stuff in the videos. Oh, it's yeah. ASMR spiritual realm, but she posted, she also makes, she posted another video recently and she has these, like, honestly, one of my favorite things I've ever seen in an ASMR video, it's these gold, like claws that you slip onto your fingers. They look like mm. a crazy gold manicure with like a bunch of diamonds on it. And they're like pointy and like, um, she stopped using them for a while. And in one of her, in her like more recent video post hiatus, she was like, these are the famous controversial claws that caused such a scuttlebutt on my account. And I spent a full hour trying to find any comments about it. And I couldn't, and I can't figure out what the controversy was about them. Do you want them? Like, can you get those for Christmas? Like, is that, Oh, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I just want her to keep making videos with them, Yeah, but I would like them for Christmas if you can find them. Yes. All right. Uh, should we do Trench Chat? Yes. It's time for Trench Chat, our regular segment where we talk about any news in the world of Martha Stewart's pony, Ben Trench. Trench. When the clock strikes noon, we could have a picnic lunch, find one full moon, and we're chatting about Trench. Trench. Um, uh, I'm just going to talk about celebrity horse news in general because I'm like taking a break from Martha because um, <laughs> I'm like disappointed in her not updating more about her pony. Uh, as a baby genius's listener pointed out to me that Gigi Hadid has a horse. Oh, it's a large white horse. I don't know who Gigi Hadid is. I don't know who Bella Hadid is. I don't know who these women are. They're beautiful. They're on every magazine I've ever seen. They're like on every cover. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, I think they're models. But her horse is nice. That's cool. Um, and Lady Gaga has a new horse. Oh, cool. Um, did you see the documentary about her? I haven't. 
it's really good it's it's like kind of uneven but like i just liked watching it because i liked seeing her like have panic attacks and go through struggles and then like kick ass and get over it you know it's just sort of it was nice to watch like a creative person like that go through that process um but yeah she she did an interview in a magazine where she was talking about her first horse arabella which is the one that her studio like um or her label bought for her oh. um and she was saying like yeah she's so well trained that when i'm about to fall off her she just steps to the side to like collect to like make sure that oh, lady wow. gaga doesn't fall off her um she's like such a sweet little mare um but then she said she got uh, a boyfriend for her horse she got a stallion named trigger <laughs> i'm like is he a stallion or is he a gelding i feel like a lot of people say i got a stallion but it's just a boy horse and those are usually gelded Oh, I um, definitely know what that means. Stallions are like really hard to control because they're so like hormonal. Oh, so usually you chop off the balls and geld them so that they're like good, ah. good boys. Um, but yeah, she said, when I ride him, it always makes me feel so powerful because he is so powerful. There's no pressure. I just get on the horse and go. It's sort of a metaphor for all the guys I've been with. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, some people just can't leave it in the subtext. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I have a chunch update. Oh, yeah? I saw a chuncher than in the wild. Oh, yeah. I love that. At my favorite uh, Mediterranean sandwich spot, Dune, I saw someone who worked there wearing a chunch shirt. And That's I was great. like, cool shirt. I think I've sold like 200 at most so far. So it's like still feels Ooh, like pretty exciting yeah. to catch one. Yeah. I think a like a listener wrote in about seeing someone in Austin wearing one. Oh, nice. It's just really cool. So into it. Yeah. Um, all that, right. That concludes Chunch Chat. It's time for one on fun. One on fun. Emily, I think I've maybe asked you this before, but if you could make an ASMR video right now, like what would it be? Oh, I think you might have asked me this before. And my answer was I have this sewing kit at my house where when you fold it open, there's um, little packages of thread in held in by um, elastic and the plastic around the thread makes a really good crinkling sound. Oh. Um, it's like... Every time I like try and open it, it's like it's just really like kind of stiff plastic like wrapping. Yeah. And so when I touch it, I was like, oh, this would make a really good ASMR video. Yeah. I feel like especially if through- you were wearing those long gold claws. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like if I was going to make an ASMR video, it would just be like going through my crafting supplies because I have like a lot of good crafting supplies. I have a lot of like sewing stuff and I bought a bunch of like weird like stickers and like plastic letters and things yeah. like that that um I, I bought a bunch of stuff for halloween that i ended up using in peter's costume and <laughs> anyway that would be great yeah uh that concludes one on fun wait did you ask me a question oh wait <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, i almost got away with it you don't have to um lisa yeah uh what do you think is the grossest food that you love the grossest food like that the, I love. The food that you love that is hardest to get other people on board with. Um, that's a really tough question because I'm pretty finicky. Like, there's not oh. a lot of gross food I love. Like, Adam will eat anything. Yeah, and defend it. Um, and I except like, artichoke pizza. He'll eat it. He just, he just hates it. Doesn't think yeah. it's. He thinks it's overrated. <laughs> um, 
I love to order Chinese food from this one place that is, it's not great, but I just keep ordering it. Oh, yeah. And like Adam's always like, why do you order from there? It's like not good. And like, it's like the chicken fried rice comes with like weird parts of chicken that are like, sometimes it looks kind of gray. And like, it's like a knuckle. You know, it's just like, um, and I described it. I was like, no, it's just like, boom, good food, you know, just like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um <laughs> you just know what it is i just know what it is and i trust it and it's never made me ill but it's not good it's not good i wouldn't like i can't really defend it yeah um so i'm yeah. always happy to order greasy chinese even when it's bad and it's like yeah it's one of those things that my boyfriend also is not okay with. <laughs> it's never made me sick like <laughs> I that's such a it. low bar it's just like you know it's really salty <laughs> yeah i like it mm. <laughs> that concludes one on fun we'll be right back with wiki of the week Sorry about that. Just had to dispatch some goons real quick. Hi, I'm April Wolf, lead film critic at LA Weekly. And when I'm not kicking butt, I'm hosting the new Maximum Fun podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Do you love genre films? Do you love female filmmakers? Do you love discussions on craft? If your answer is yes, you'll love Switchblade Sisters. Every episode, I invite one female filmmaker on, and we talk in depth about their fave genre film and how it influenced their own work. So we're talking horror, action, sci-fi, fantasy, bizarro, and exploitation cinema. Mothers, lock up your sons, because the Switchblade sisters are coming for you. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome to Wiki of the Week. Let's introduce our guest this week. So excited he's here. He's a television writer. Uh, you might know from his work on Disjointed on Netflix. Uh, he is also the co-writer of the pilot of Daria. Hello. Oh my God. Yeah, and also Frasier and News Radio and a bunch of other things you love. Uh, please welcome Chris Marcel. Yay! Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We're very excited to have you. Um, uh, I'm getting a nice finger bath. <laughs> from Indy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's from it's me, a, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's I like do, a spa. <laughs> yeah. We do that to all our We're guests. We're yeah. a full service. <laughs> I, I think you're also maybe our first guest to have brought us each a gift. Yes. Yeah, so, which was, so classy. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I married a Southerner, so I have been trained. <laughs> I've been trained very well. You don't show up empty-handed. Oh, yeah. wait. And then before we started recording, you were saying that she used to work... My wife... My wife, who uh, is a novelist uh, by the name of Julia Claiborne Johnson, her book, Be Frank With Me, is out in bookstores. Oh, but, it's, it's uh, very good. She grew up on a 300-acre horse farm in uh, Shelbyville, Tennessee, oh my God. Uh, where they uh, they raised Tennessee walking horses. Oh, my God, the best. When she was... <laughs> the smoothest horses. Yes. <laughs> you can ride them all day. Yeah, no, that's they have the easy gait. Yeah. And she, like, showed them... Shelbyville, Tennessee is the Tennessee walking horse capital of the world. And so they have this, like, a like 6,000-seat arena in the middle of town. They have the celebration every oh. year. And so she showed horses. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And when she was three, she was the baby of the family. Her older brother and sister put her on an unbroken horse. Why? That's just because they were mean. And like she uh, obviously survived. But wow. Did the horse take care of her? Yeah. Now the horse was, you know, because I think because they were Tennessee walking horses, you know, they weren't like so crazy stallion. Yeah. 
stallion I feel like horses tend to take care of children too yeah they sort of know no she's like yeah. you know i've never seen her on a horse because like she it's not like she's gonna go out to toluca lake and you know to where they have the she horse could just rentals. go to burbank <laughs> yeah but you know like that kind of thing minutes it's, yeah. you know it's just like she can't you know she had it she can't settle for less she can't settle for it. yeah it's like we don't have a dog because like they would not have dogs in the house you know oh, they just yeah. went out yeah you know you don't yeah, yeah it's just sort of you know so this finger bath is really a treat for you. Yes, then. the finger bath is. Uh, <laughs> yes, no, I only wish uh, she were here to experience it. And then the other thing was that uh, she also worked for Martha Stewart Living oh for a while God. as a magazine writer, and like had one interaction with Martha. Like Martha wanted to do like a little blurb about some like copper cleaner, and she was <laughs> like, and so they said, "Well, call Martha for what it, you know, the name." And Martha is like. You know, who's like sort of terrifying because, you know, prison yeah. changed her. So she was still in her terrifying. <laughs> she was still in her terrifying phase. And just like, you know, it's like she was well, scary go, before. prison. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like, you know, go talk to Julia Child. She knows all this. So like my wife had to call Julia Child, who was like a peach and just like oh and God. just talk about like this copper, this cleaner. copper cleaner. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a weird job. That's amazing. Yes. I, I also met that. her ex-husband, Andy Stewart, who gave her. The Stort name. Oh. Um, which was many years ago because I'm quite old. And, um, <laughs> and like it was just that she like had gotten big, you know, she'd like gotten the Kmart deal and you know, it was like the late 80s. And I was at a dinner party in New York and um, her ex husband was there. So we were all like, well, tell us about Martha. And yeah. Like, well, dark. I don't want to get into it, but I will say, like, she is a genius. You know, like one Thanksgiving, you know, she did the turkey and crust and just like freestyled it, like, did it like without, you know, straight through, like, writing in one draft. And <laughs> wow. it's like, and then he started pausing. He's like, she has the temperament of a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so that. much. Yeah. You guys and that can was still, all he would say. <laughs> you can still use auteur theory for Martha Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm okay with that. Yeah, she, no. she earned it. <gasps> That's yeah. so funny. There was a someone sent us an article about um, like famous New Yorkers visiting their old homes in New York. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, oh, they, yeah, there was a New York magazine. Yeah, yeah. And Martha Stewart's one was oh so catty, so catty because she was like, yeah, I brought him an apple pie. I still haven't gotten the pan back. It's my best apple pie pan. <laughs> like, and then when she was there, when she was there, she was like, oh, I love what you've done with the place. I love the decor. And then later she was like, yeah, it was way too masculine. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. All right. That brings us to this week's Wikipedia page sent to us by John Pierce. Thank you, John. Thank you. Um, It's the Wikipedia page for, and maybe you can help us with the pronunciation. It's an ancient Greek uh, woman named Agnodice. That's how I want to say it, but that sounds very Italian. Or Agnodike. Agnodike? Agnodike. Agnodike. That might be it. Um, Agnodike was a, I'm just going to say that. uh, Pastry. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Was supposedly the first female midwife or physician in ancient Athens. Her story is told by the Roman author Gaius Julius Hyginus in his Fabulae, which is, I love that name. Yeah. <laughs> Agnodike right. is not... Which means tales. It does? Yeah, Fabulae. Oh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, see, the Catholic schooling's paying off. <laughs> Agnodike is not generally believed to be a historical figure, but her story has been frequently deployed as a precedent for women practicing midwifery or medicine. Um, according to Hyginus... Agnodike studied medicine under Herophilus and worked as a physician in her home city of Athens disguised as a man because women at the time were forbidden from practicing medicine. As her popularity with female patients grew, rival physicians accused her of seducing the women of Athens. 
with her competence. <laughs> Pretty sneaky. I also like, you know, I, she probably didn't exist, but it's also sort of the thing of like, oh, well, you know, this woman who went around helping, you know, she's obviously fictional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was tried and revealed her sex to the jury by lifting her tunic. Every part of the story is amazing. Yeah. Um, accu- uh, accused of illegally practicing medicine as a woman, she was defended by the women of Athens who praised her for her effective treatments. She was acquitted and the law against female p- physicians in Athens was revoked. So, yeah, this probably didn't happen, but I, yeah. I want to believe it. I like the women. of It's like a Greek chorus. You know, yeah, the women of Athens come in and, you know, speak as one. Yeah, I'm picturing it like in um, Miracle on 40, 34th yes. Street where they bring in the letters from they, Santa. They just, they just like bring in big bags of babies that she <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's see. The next part's a little bit repetitive. All right. The previous part. Um, let's see. She was described as an obstetrix, which is difficult to know how to translate that into English, uh, but it, it was rendered by Sarah Pomeroy as obstetrician, arguing that midwives existed in Athens in Agnodice's day, but that Agnodice was distinguished by her formal education in medicine. However, Helen King notes that there was no formal licensing system for medics in the ancient world, and that it is right. anachronistic to divide ancient healers into the distinct categories of midwife and obstetrician. Yeah. It's nice to think of a Greek play that was sort of a set at med school. <laughs> so you know, or like... Just sort of like scrubs, yeah, but exactly. like... <laughs> uh yeah uh okay well should we go off and break that uh pitch that exactly (laughs) i'll be right back i'd watch that yeah exactly it's Uh, you know plato's anatomy (laughs) (laughs) they have lockers somehow um (laughs) historicity modern scholars generally doubt that agna was a real historical figure all right. <laughs> Problems yeah. with accepting Agnes Dike's historical include questions over her date and the implausibility of Hygienus's claim that there were no obstress, obstetric. Right. Like she was the only midwife. Yeah. 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 Uh, in Athens before Agnes Dike, when literary and epigraphic evidence shows that midwives were known. Right. Hygienus claims that Agnes Dike was taught medicine by Herophilus, generally identified with Herophilus of Chalcedon, an ancient physician known for his work on gynecology, who is uh. credited with the discovery of the ovaries. Oh. Uh. If this is the case, Agna Dike would have lived in the late 4th or early 3rd century. Okay. Oh, man. How did you... I want to know how they discovered that there were ovaries. I know. They were, what did they think? I imagine those... it was on a bot, like on a dead body, right? Yeah. 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 But like, yeah. What did they think they were before they figured out what they were? I love thinking about living in a time before yeah. you knew anything about how babies oh, yeah. were actually made. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know if this is true, but one of the three things I remember from studying art history in college was that um, there are a lot of paintings of women uh, touching their own genitals because there were people who believed that you had a better chance of conceiving if yeah. the women had an orgasm. Yeah. So it was like the implication yeah. in the painting was like you had ju- this is a woman who had just been fucked and then she was like rubbing herself so she could conceive a child. Yeah. Um, I'm into that. I would be into people yeah. still thinking that's how it worked. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but then if you didn't want a kid, you would just not make a woman come. Should we put? Yeah. Yeah. I think Pause we... about his autobiography and. Uh, yeah, it was very good. It was. It was really good. Um, so far, whatever it was called. Yeah. 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 Now I listened to that when I started. Um, oh, do you listen to the the book on tape? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> was it good? Uh, it was okay. I mean, you know, it's like he's like. 
you know, like his father was killed and his sister was killed. Oh, I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Yeah, no, and just like, and he got thrown out of Juilliard. Oh, jeez. And yeah, his it, his his life is crazy. Yeah, no, he's a little bit like he's a guy like you know he's been through some shit. He's been through some shit, and he's like a little bit sort of you know he's the uh, he is not you know they sort of kind of erude it. Yeah. You know, it's just like he's, you know, is yeah, he sort of came up in this in this weird way. But he got thrown out of Juilliard and John Hausman is running Juilliard. Um says to him like, you know, we took you cuz they took him like right out of high school or something. Mm-hmm. And like he hadn't even done that much acting. But he said like you clearly have talent, you're not ready for this. Um <laughs> but if you want to be an actor, like read the great 19th century novels. Huh. Because they're so interior. That's yeah. like what you're doing when you're acting is like, you know, you're just like yeah, you know, what's it like to be inside oh, this person's head? Interesting. And I was like, that's really good advice. That yeah. is really good advice. Yeah. Wow. All right. Back to Agna Dike. Um <laughs> Those who believe in the historicity of Agna Dike have come to two separate conclusions explaining the lack of midwives in Athens before her. The first theory is that there were no midwives prior to Agna Dike. Alternatively, it has been proposed that there were earlier midwives, but they had been forbidden by law from practicing. The second theory has been elaborated over time with Kate Heard Mead in 1938 being the first to propose that women had been forbidden from practicing medicine because they had been accused of performing abortions. Huh. Uh, the I wonder- doctor's lobby is powerful then as now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder how, uh, what evidence she has for that. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like we've been forced to accept so many false stories about men in history. Just let us have this one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. We have a movie <laughs> about her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, it'll be like a school comedy sex romp right. yes. set in ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then when they're shouting toga, it'll be yeah. just yeah. accurate. <laughs> Oh, I'm really proud of that, you guys. <laughs> Just a shot for shot remake of, of Animal House, Animal House right. in, in ancient Greece and uh, <laughs> influence on women in medicine. The story of Agnadike has been invoked since the 16th century to provide precedence for a range of gender options within the medical profession. While some later users of the story focused on the midwifery claims in the opening line, for example, arguing that men were midwives before women were, or that women were midwives first, others have concentrated on what Agnadike is supposed to have learned from Herophilus, which was medicine. Of Chalcedon. <laughs> yes, sorry. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad exactly. that we, right. yeah. Uh, which was medicine rather than midwifery. <laughs> Thus, she was used both in the peak of men midwifery in the 18th century and in women's struggle to enter the medical profession in the 19th century. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is a story that's useful for a lot of different yes. arguments. Yeah. Elizabeth Sellier, the 17th century popish midwife, positioned herself as a modern Agna Dike. <laughs> I love that nickname. Yeah. Uh, what does popish mean? I don't know. Popish? Popish. 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 Oh, like akin like to the ca- Pope? <laughs> like a Catholic, I guess. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. However, others have taken the story of Agna Dike as a negative example. Augustus Gardner, for instance, in 1851, delivered a lecture arguing that literally no improvement was made in the many centuries where midwifery was a women's profession, comparing Agna Dike to the 19th century abortionist Madame Ristel, mm. who, by the way, is also a very interesting person. Uh, 
who clicks link did uh, <laughs> clicks link. I, I got uh, my friend uh, a, a book about Madame Ristel, who was like a, an illegal abortionist in mm. New York City who would like put advertisements in magazine being like, women, do you have a problem? Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that? Um, Just a picture like, of her winking. Uh, in uh, the 18th century. Oh, no, okay. in the 19th century. Yeah. Yeah. From like, like yeah, the 1800s. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because on the Nick, they had a character who was a secret abortionist. Oh, really? Yeah, who's like a Nick. nun. Oh. She's like running the orphanage or something like that's next door to the hospital. But she's also, also she's like this Irish, you yeah. know. And, but she also like goes and like secretly performs abortions. Should I watch the Nick? It the sounds Nick, like I should watch first, the Nick. The first <laughs> season, it looks beautiful. Yeah. It really, it's in the first. The Was second it Soderbergh involved yes, in it? Yeah, it's yeah, Steven yeah, Soderbergh. Like, and yeah. um, we started watching it because uh, Clive Owen is in it. I know, I love Clive and Owen. And so, you know, um, <laughs> I'm a good I husband. Know. So, um, <laughs> but no, it's like, you know, it's like, it's a little bit sort of, you know, well, this is what you know, your modern, like, semi anti hero, you know, it's mm-hmm. like his tragic flaw is that he's addicted to cocaine. <laughs> and, you know, it's so like it's that corny. kind of, yeah, it's a little bit of like, oh, it's this. And, you know, yeah. You know, there's like this, you know, it's, it's, it, in, in the second season, more like that. So it was a little in that sense. But it's also really, because it's in like 1906 or something. Oh. And, like, they're still like butchers. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like they're still sort of like, just sort of like hacking people They're still up just and... like, you know, kind of like washing their hands a little bit and then like going and diving right in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Ooh, I don't know if I can watch that. That's hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like a much more exaggerated version of like on Mad Men when they just throw their litter on the ground and yeah. you're yeah. like, oh, I can't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking in a restaurant. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have one more medicine story, which is again, you know, because my wife is more interested than I am. But her... <laughs> Mother was one of two women in the University of Tennessee Medical School class of 1953. Whoa. Something like that. And they pulled the two, they pulled them aside individually and said, like, you know, they said to her, Sue, you're going to get married and have babies and not use this degree, and you are taking the place of a man. Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. They did that same thing with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. At law school. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just like she was still practicing like while the uh, like the guys were like, you know, dropping dead. So, you know, she's it was. Yeah. But like she was she is it was like, during World War Two. It was like early 50s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, uh, you know, but the funny thing is because I was just talking about this with my daughter, um, you know, who's like in college. But she's like, I don't think grandma grandma was is really much of a feminist. And I was like, no, she is not. Oh. She really it really bothered her that my wife kept her name huh. oh and interesting. like like that kind you know interesting yeah you know but it's i don't know there's just something about that it's all you know that stuff is is generational for yeah. sure yeah oh yeah yeah that's yeah my i would like i would maybe consider my grandmother a feminist she gave a lot of money to like planned parenthood and stuff like that and she, and emily's list but she also was like very anti-divorce yeah yeah and it was like that's uh old school very old school um anyway yeah that concludes wiki of the week <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be right back with chris marcel you majored in 16th century religious history i did reformation yeah. history yeah but um but what we're going to talk about instead 
<laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. I, uh, you brought some out of print books that you'd I like to some talk out of about. Books. I, there's just like three out of print books because, you know, like this invitation was kind of last minute. So yes. I was just like, so. You don't know. let people behind the curtain, Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, oh, I'm back to my temping days. But, <laughs> but I just like, but, you know, it's, I like have been you know it just sort of like sort of occurred to me of like oh you know this is kind of a funny thing and my wife when her novel came out did the la review books podcast and one of the things she talked about was the book i did not bring because we can't find it because she keeps giving it to people (laughs) but it's an out-of-print book it's called to the one i love the best and it's by ludwig bemelmans who did the madeline books and it's a memoir um of like he came to hollywood in the 30s and he wound up being sort of in the orbit of this woman, Elsie DeWolf, um, who was like 80 then. And she, Elsie DeWolf, and I think this is how my wife got into it, was Elsie DeWolf was like the first interior decorator, was the first person who people would hire Whoa. to be in like 1910, you know, the 19, like, and, or even earlier, like she lived as an out lesbian in the 1890s in New York. Wow. And, but she's the person that were like, you know, we've got to stop with all these like doilies and, you know, these things like that thing should be white and modern and things like that. So she's like, she's oh, actually, cool. you know, in this, like, you know, cause again, I think probably interior de- decoration and that kind of thing, because it codes feminine is not as like treated it's one as of those seriously. things where people are like, that's not really a profession. That's not really yeah. a profession, but it's also a thing where like, you know, people don't, you know, maybe in sort of material culture, like people don't really think about it. You know, to yeah. the same extent. But anyway, well, so if you DeWolf, also, if you've done it well, your yeah. work is invisible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so anyway, so then she moved out to Hollywood. She married this like English nobleman, you know, and sort of a, you know, sort of marriage of convenience or whatever. And they lived in Hollywood and Bammelman's, this young artist gets sort of sucked into their orbit. And, you know, like they have people over for cocktails and there's like, and it's just sort of like a bunch of stories about them. Oh, but it's man. just like. Like they had cats and the cats were getting on the hood of the Bentley. So <laughs> they like sprinkle. So somebody says like sprinkle the ben- the roof of the Bentley with the hood of the Bentley with a cayenne pepper because cats won't want to go there. And so then they forget that they've got it on the and they go out for a drive and they put the like they put the top the, down, put oh. the top down. <laughs> and it's actually OK until they put the top back up because it's cold and turn on the vent. Oh, no. And, you know, and, like, Bemelman's, like, finds, like, a shack on the beach in Santa Monica. Because, you know, it's the 30s. So it's sort of, yeah. like, and, like, he goes there. And then, like, there's Elsie, still orchards. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And Elsie DeWolf, like, and, like, Elsie DeWolf's husband, like, find, is, like starts joining in there. And he's, like, you know, can't tell Elsie about this or she'll decorate it. <laughs> <laughs> and so then the last part of the book is, like, after the war, after World War II, like, Elsie DeWolf owned the Petit Trianon in Versailles. Oh. And so they go to like see about it after the war and like all her artist friends from, you know, from before the war, like a lot of them been in the resistance or, you know, and so they had these orphan kids. So she started an orphanage with one of her properties and that was the inspiration for Madeline. Oh my God. 12 little girls all in a line. Yeah. (gasps) That's so cool. Yeah. So that's a, yeah. And it's a lot of like for people in LA, which I assume like is bulk of your listenership. Yeah, it's like sort of 30s L.A., <laughs> yeah. you know, like that kind of thing. We've but, got a lot of Portland librarians listening okay, as well. well yeah. they'll, like, they'll, but they'll, they'll keep their eyes out yes. at the libraries for this out-of-print um, book. And, um, yeah, so, like, and like one of the things, like, my wife and I say is, like, Elsie, like, we would go to the beach or something like that, 
and they would go home to, I think, in Bel Air, where the thing was. And Elsie would say, take the pretty way, which we, she meant like sunset. Yeah. Because it's so, it, it's so, so like we'll say, like if we're on the west side, like, yeah, let's go home the pretty way. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So that's one book. That's one book. To oh the one God. I love the best. And how did you get, how did you come into possession of that? Um, Julia, I th- you know, because she was writing a lot for house magazines. When I met my wife, she was a magazine writer and she was doing like dating stories and things. She's like, mm-hmm. you know, it sort of, you know, like tracked her personal life because then, then like, you know, we, I moved in and we got married and stuff. And suddenly she was writing for house magazines, uh-huh. but you know, she's a farm girl. So she is super competent. Yeah. So she was very valuable at these places. Like talking with like, she learned how to plaster from the guy who did like plastering at the white house Wow. Oh for Martha Stewart living. Yeah. So he yeah. says like, I'll show you. And then like, she could translate because she was very handy yeah. with the way they say it into like, how can I write this for an audience? Yeah. And stuff like that. And I think, so she sort of got into that and she was like, she found out about Elsie DeWolf. There's a couple of biographies, Elsie DeWolf. And then in sort of tracking it down, she's like this book about Bemelman's, which had been out of print for a long time. Oh, wow. And so she, but whenever she sees it, she buys it. Like if we're in a used <laughs> bookstore. Oh, cool. She buys it and she just bought a copy because we were, I was looking because I can bring it. Yeah. And you, you, we you, couldn't find it. <laughs> Because she had probably given it to somebody who hasn't given, given it, it back. back. Yeah. But like when we go to like to the Iliad in North Hollywood, um, it's like, you know, like she looks for it. Oh, my God. I'm going to look for that now. <laughs> yeah, I want one. Uh, OK. And then what's the, the next other one? two are sort of humor books that are like super British humor books because I was raised by Anglophiles. <laughs> <laughs> like my my joke is like my father is of French Canadian extraction and my mother is like Boston Irish. So it's like two nationalities that should hate the British. But of course, they're huge Anglophiles. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so it's sort of like. One and I, one of these books, which is called Augustus Carp Esquire by himself, and the subtitle is like being the autobiography of a really good man. <laughs> um, I think was like a big influence on uh, me and Sam Johnson, my writing partner. Um, and it's sort of it's a, this autobiography. It w- was written in like the twenties by a guy who was like the physician to King George the Sixth. It's the only thing he didn't write that wasn't a medical article. Huh. And um, he and just like dipped his toe in satire. Just, like, and- well, he must have grown up in a religious background because what it's about, it's the autobiography of this guy. It's set in like 1909 or something, Edwardian times. And it's just about this. It's a little bit like Diary of a Nobody or something, you know, something where it's just like this ordinary. But he's like a religious prig and hypocrite, <laughs> an awful person. But it's his autobiography. So he's great. and so like he's working at this religious publication house and his boss like his boss like he finds him drunk so he gets him fired (laughs) you know it's like not with you know even though he had a wife who had some you know attraction to him you know who was like an invalid of some sort and three children (laughs) you know like nevertheless i think it was clear that he should be fired for like you know it's and like and then he gets his comeuppance it's almost kind of a frasery plot yeah where like somebody way in the beginning somebody way in the beginning like he gets bamboozled because you know he's also in the society for the prevention of strong drink traffic and the anti-dancing league and all this kind of stuff and like he falls in with some people and like they have a dinner in his honor and um, they serve him a beverage called that they call Portugal aid. That's port. 
<laughs> and like he says, like this is an exceedingly pleasant beverage. You know, it's just like you know, humorous ideas are coming to my brain and stuff like that. So he makes an ass of himself at the Society for the Prevention of Strong Drink Traffic, and that's his comeuppance. Oh, I love that. But there's a, like, and it's very, it's a, a, it's a kind of comedy I really love, which is burying the joke, like yeah. where the reader has to, like you have to figure out the joke yeah. because it's like all you know because it's like oh it's his point of view but there's like he has two pages about his early life about skipping stones as if he's the person that had like invented it well not so much invented it but just like let me explain to you how you skip stones <laughs> you know you would think because the stone is heavier than the water it would go down <laughs> But no, it can go two or even in an expert's hand three times. <laughs> and that's just like, this should be more part of our national life. Why isn't this our national sport? <laughs> you know, it's not competitive, you know, and it's like, as I, you know, it's like, you know, as I, and then it, the whole thing is like started by like, as I've repeatedly said to many of the youth groups. So, <laughs> you know, so you just get, yeah. there's just these little things buried in there. He's like a proto Michael Scott. Kind it's of. very yeah. that kind of Michael Scott type thing with the religious angle. He has a long, he's got like three pages on his typical day. That's really just about how much he eats during the day, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, but it's also sort of like, you know, I would then repeat, you know, he would send his assistant out to get like, you know, a huge, like lunch cake at 1130 but then at one he would actually go out to lunch to the establishment <laughs> and eat and he said i had to eat a lot because you know when i was gone from one to two was the eating lunch was the busiest part of the day but when i would come back i only had one assistant to help me <laughs> <laughs> so it's like all that kind of stuff so i love this book um and i found out about it we were at a wedding in new hampshire and you know, like my wife was like talking to like one of those like like sort of older New England ladies with like, you know, the you know, kind of peppery with the white hair and the Subaru, you know, and and, <laughs> um, and like she was saying, you know, well, my husband was right. I was writing for Beavis and Budhead and, you know, but he's a religious studies major. And she was like, oh, my God, you have to read this. He has to read this book. Oh, interesting. And then immediately I showed it to Sam. She was, she was like, she heard you wrote for Beavis and Butthead and were a religious studies yeah. major. And she was like, those two things combined yeah, perfectly no, for an interesting yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's one of those books. And you, I mean, I, you guys probably have them too, where it's like, you know, it's not well known. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or a movie or something where just like, if the slightest opening for like, this is why I'm obsessed yes. about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why you have podcasts, I assume. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's to tell people about, yeah, yeah, those weird things that we've heard about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's like the wiki of the week thing too. Yeah. Totally. There was this book that I don't know if we, I've talked about this. I forget what it's called. It's something in Skip, uh, Skip and Marty, Marty and Skip. And it's this like 1940s, like, I think it got turned into a, a Disney TV show. It sounds like. And Spin and Marty, Spin and Marty. Huh. And it's about, these kids at cowboy camp and I got this used copy just from this like dude who was giving away a bunch of shit in his driveway. And it is the most homoerotic thing I've ever read. And it's a kid's book. And it's just like every page is about them like wrestling in bed and their hearts beating so fast. <laughs> oh and it's like one of those things where I'm like, how is how did no, more one people don't you know lick about me, Marty? <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of talk about <laughs> licking in it, for sure. Do you know if the author was like... I don't know. I should probably... You know, it's one of those things that, like, I got it in college. I haven't looked into it again in a while, but oh, I do wow. still have it on my bookshelf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. that the thing you recommend to everyone? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think when I was... Uh, 
when I was in college, I like Amy Sedaris was coming to do like a book reading at our in Santa Cruz and me and my best friend made her these like in retrospect serial killer looking (laughs) photocopies of our favorite passages from that book that we like stapled together and highlighted and I'm sure and we were like this is great she's never she's gonna love this and then I remember getting there and realizing how many other people had brought her presents and I was like why did I think I was the only person who was gonna do this (laughs) anyway I'm sure she threw it away (laughs) But the, you know, like well-intentioned but serial killer looking thing is her aesthetic. Yeah. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like her show. Yeah. Oh, I, I haven't watched it yet. It's like yeah. exactly what I thought it would be and yeah. it's perfect. I mean, there's so much great comedy out now, but like, it's like, this is really making me laugh. What I like is her yeah. to the max. Like, it's, it's her great. to the max. Cole is, Cole is sort- really good on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I sort of don't like it. When she plays other characters, yeah, like I want just that, just and also the, because the people she's had I, on I, I a do, supporting, I do like the character she plays on Bojack. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, she's she's great. She was on Hot in Cleveland for a couple oh, of really? episodes. Oh really? Yeah, she was the governor of Ohio's wife, <laughs> and like a perfect, you know, with the big wig oh and God. stuff like that. And so, like, it was sort of like I like that. Yeah, you know, she would just like hang I'm, out. She would just hang out and do crafts, you know, in the. I love it whenever I see her in something, I'm never sure if it's like her 100% or if she's wearing like... Because she just disappears into it. Yeah. She's always wearing some kind of weird bodysuit or something or like... Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that story in David one David Sedaris's book. Yeah. About like her wearing the fat suit. No, it's a different one. Oh. It's like because like she was up and coming. Oh yeah. Because like you know because like I think she you know David Sedaris wrote stuff for her. Yeah. And they're, they're the talent family in New yeah. York in the 80s and or, or maybe early 90s, but when I was living there. But he's like, so she's going to be in New York Magazine. So she makes herself up to look like somebody's beat the shit out of her. Yeah. yeah. And so then like she, they're riding home on the subway. <laughs> And she starts saying, so they're saying like, I think he really loves me. <laughs> you know, I think oh, there's something special in this relationship. It's so dark. It's, it's so, dark. so dark. Well, and that people were looking at him like he had done it. Yeah. 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 Like, well, yeah, maybe not so much with David Sedaris. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other book we wanted to talk about was One Upmanship. One Upmanship, uh, which is part of a series of books by this guy, Stephen Potter, who I think was like a big wig at the BBC in the 50s. And the book that he wrote that was like a big hit in Britain was called Gamesmanship, which you now he which I think like he coined that word, which is like the art of winning the the art of succeeding at games without actually or without actually cheating. That were like, <sighs> but yeah. it's sort of like you know how to play with your head. And so then he did like lifemanship and one-upmanship, and they're all about like these little ploys to like. With, like, because the theory the in one, one upmanship is like, if you're not one up, you're one down. Yeah. So you have to get one up. So there's sort of like, you know, like how to, how to like ride the train properly and like, <laughs> you know, like going to the doctor because the doctor is naturally one up. Yeah. So like, how do you, how do you, how do you get one how do up you on combat your doctor? <laughs> the natural one upness of the doctor? And so like, there's, and so he invents this, this like- whole faculty of the Lifemanship Correspondence College in Yeovil. And um, so there's like people on the faculty who become recurring characters like Gatling Fenn and Odorida <laughs> and, um, you know, Ivy Spring and stuff like that. So um and Gatling Fenn's thing when he's at the doctor is to like be completely naked and then like have somebody like, he has a phone call he has to take 
So he brings him the phone, and he's just like, oh, my God, that is tremendous. Tell you, know, just sort of, so it's like, now he's one of So it's all this kind of thing. And, like, one of the things that I really like uh, is in clubmanship, you know, because it's such a British institution. Oh, and yeah. the basic thing is to do the two-club forcing approach. And if you belong to one club, you have to belong to two clubs. And they should be different clubs <laughs> so that when you're in one club, you can sort of act like you're, you know, the other club is a little better. Yeah. Oh. And so Hugo Coding, it's like, so if Hugo Coding has made great strides in this work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, so he's in the artillery, you know, the military club and the studio arts club. So when he's at the studio arts, he dresses very you know, correctly, and mm-hmm. he's got a clipped, you know, his hair is neat and things like that. There are illustrations, which I guess are kind of useless. <laughs> <laughs> but then when he goes to the artillery, he wears like red corduroys and an indigo shirt, and his hair is wild, and he's just been to be doing, like, oh, I was just at the right, studio. And, like, arts he club. comes yeah. into the library, and he's like, oh my god, and like so, this like you know, lieutenant is like, what are you, oh my godding about? And he's like, I pray something that, that was bad, something I knew really was bad. It's the only untruth. And then he like throws himself on the couch. And so then like they like stand him drinks and just like uh, it's sort of like, you know, encoding was often being timidly offered drinks in this way. And though he seldom offered the other half before long, he was able to do what he liked in the artillery and was taken for granted. That it was perfectly OK for coding to sit in the seat with arms at the head of the long table. <laughs> Like and, he would just come in and acting like he'd had a bad yeah, day at exactly. the other club just that he like, thought was better. Yeah, the illustration is excellent, actually. <laughs> this, but uh, my God, that's great. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, so oh. it's like it's it just is fantastic, and you know, and I love phonies. So, yeah. <laughs> and this so is like, it, it's like Dale Carnegie or something. Yeah, but like but but jokey, right? But like sort of jokey, yeah. and it's like how to fake. Like, you know, sort of like how to fake that, you know, literature, yeah, you yeah. know, and like, and also like this, like program they have for people who've come out of RADA or like an expensive uh-huh. art school. Like they have like an immersion, like a, like 30 day immersion for the RADA people where they have to like, you know, it's like a <laughs> fake regional theater <laughs> where like, you know, they have to get the stage manager to drink and are answered with an oath and a cuff, you know, so that they can say they've come up hard. <laughs> I like that you're the anti-Holden Caulfield. You love phonies. I love yeah. phonies. <laughs> you know, because, like, I grew up in the mill town, and then, like, like I went to Yale as sort of an affirmative action thing, as, like, here's a kid from a mill town. You know? so like, you're the whitest yeah, person I've ever like, met. Yeah, it's like, it's like, but it is sort of like, it was a class thing, I think. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, I think with the same record, and, like, if I'd, you know, been in the Boston suburbs, it would be, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, like, so, but I was thrilled to be around, like, really phony people. Because yeah. it's just like I've made it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that very naturally brings us to Fraser talk. Yes. Because yeah. I feel like right. one, one thing that I love about <laughs> love and makes no sense about Fraser is that it's this very like old money East Coast status yeah. obsessed show plopped in Seattle, which yeah. is like where Kurt Cobain lived. No, like, it's like I, not- always, I always said, like, it took place on the moon in 1936. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, because it was sort of like, and like, you know, people from Seattle are always like, you know, opera is not that big a deal in Seattle. <laughs> 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 and it's like you know we know we had one guy on the staff like when i was there who like knew a lot about wine and had lived in seattle so he that was like so his like, areas of expertise 
<laughs> That's so funny. So you were like, okay, I guess this kind of justifies all of it too. There, we know yeah. at least one guy who some of this is true. Right. For. Well, just more sort of like where they give us a town we're calling from. Oh, like yeah. Bellingham. Okay, Bellingham. <laughs> you know, but the wine, like there were a couple of wine people, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. uh, like on that staff. And so that was like, you know, it's like, you know, because it's a multicam. So, you know, multicams usually do like a run through the day of the performance. You know, it's just a run through and you're sitting in the stands, which you usually aren't. Yeah. And so and, you know, I was there sort of later in the run. So the guys who created it would like often it was like you'd see them at the table and then you wouldn't see them often until the Tuesday run through. And so they did not know anything that was happening. And you always lived in fear because they were the creators of the show that they would kick over the sandcastle and you'd be like, oh, my God. But like one of them really blew his lid because or blew his top or flipped his lid um, because um, they were like pouring the wine wrong. (laughs) It's just like you want to open it and pour it right away. What the hell? God. That guy would be very pleased to see the way that talk back on the IMDb page for Fraser works because people are complaining about exactly that kind yeah. of shit. Oh there. yeah, absolutely. But like I made up like like you know, send him a case of Chateau Bellevue. Uh-huh. And so then like David Lloyd, who I sat next to on the days he worked, you know, who was like a legendary comedy writer, I was like thrilled, you know, he started on Jack Park. And so I was like thrilled to be sitting next to him. But he's like, I've never heard of that vintage. I was like, I made it up. After, I named it after Jean Beliveau of the Montreal Canadiens. You know? <laughs> um, I also found this out recently because I, my boyfriend was the cork master. Yeah, no, that Halloween. was a fantastic. That was a fantastic uh, costume. Like a fantastic really... costume, I think, and also kind of a cop out because you could. He wasn't like Fraser or Niles. He no. was just the current cork master. Yes. But I found out you wrote the theme song to the cork. Master. Yes, I don't remember doing it, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> because it's pretty lame, actually. Like, I sort of looked it up, so I actually believe that I did. Yeah. <laughs> I should have asked for ASCAP because I wrote oh. a. Because we had a. We did a Frasier with like Niles is treating somebody at his house who's Paul F. Tompkins. And like oh, you yeah. hear their answering machine message, which is nobody's home, nobody's home. And like somebody said, like, tell you wrote lyrics to a song. Like oh, register yeah. with ASCAP. Oh yeah. <gasps> That's right. And so it's like so I get like sixty nine cents or something, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or less less, less humorous numbers. Uh, <laughs> like of, um, <laughs> like uh, you know, from ASCAP. <laughs> but like then like and I was telling that to somebody's like, yeah, that's why all the SNL sketches used to have theme songs. Because oh. the guys would write something, you know, and then sign up for the... ASCAP. Yeah. And, like, I think they had to put a stop to it because they were like, this is getting, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you guys are actually already get paid. So. Um, oh, my God. We're running out of time. I feel like I have to ask you some Fraser questions sure. before we go. I'm, like, trying to pick carefully. So you worked on, like, the seasons when Niles and Daphne yes, finally we got, got together. I worked from season seven to 11, uh, five seasons. Uh, and at the start of season seven, because she had gotten engaged to Saul Rubinek and Donnie Douglas, Donnie Douglas. And at the start of the season, like, you know, and it was a kind of a terrifying room because it was very quiet, like when Chris Lloyd was running it. And um, and but like so the Grub Street guys are in the three guys who created it. And but and we said to them, it's like. Like you, this has gone far enough, like there are so many rug pulls like, mm-hmm. you know. We, you know, because they were like, well, we, I always hoped, like David Angels, like, I always hoped we would end the show with that. 
And we're oh. like, yes, but the show's not ending anytime soon. So we, and we can't to... keep doing this plot. <laughs> of, you know? Yeah. And, Niles... I, and especially coming in as a new person, you know, who had watched it, it's just like, you cannot do this anymore because it's. Was that scary to say? But, well, well I don't yeah. know. It's just sort of like, I mean, you know, it's season seven. You know, I yeah. feel like there's a certain amount. Like, I think you just have to live with that. Yeah. You know, the way you've done that. Because we knew, like, oh, well, you know, there go a lot of plots. Yeah. There goes kind of, you know, it's like anytime people get together. On a show, you're like, well, fuck, what do we Yeah, I know. Yeah. And so that, and we knew we were sort of condemning ourselves to that. But at the same time, I think it was right. Yeah. Because it's just like, we couldn't keep doing it. So it's like, either way, you're sort of in, you know, that kind of, you know, like, almost like a decline phase in a way yeah. or something like that plot damned if you do yeah that plot can't go on um I, i'm just like i don't have a specific question i'm just like what were the con- were there any things that you really wanted to happen on the show that they didn't here happen? are two well, i was thinking about this here are two room joke ideas one was dan o'shannon uh-huh. uh who was so great and like ran the show for three years dan o'shannon always wanted to do a story where like Frazier and Niles had somehow never heard of the Clean Blake Club and they want to get in. <laughs> and like Martin makes up the Clean Blake Club. <laughs> and you know, you can never figure out. A big room thing also was like, Dan actually specified this, but we were talking about Frazier's money all the time. Oh yeah. You know, and just like. Because like, how is he so rich? Right. And Chris Lloyd correctly would be like, those stories aren't funny. Nobody wants to know. We'll break the illusion. And it's like quite correct. But like Dan wanted to do something about Fraser's extremely harried accountant of just like <laughs> why are you spending so much on Sherry? <laughs> you know, it's just like you know, the radio business is not um and then Bob Daly and I had an idea, like another room pitch idea, which was um Frazier and Niles like get a line on some really fantastic like wine from the thirties and the only catch is that it had belonged to Herman Gehring. Who's that? He was like a Nazi. Oh. <laughs> it was like a Nazi wine. <laughs> it's just like, do they buy this Nazi wine or? Oh, my God. I would love to see that episode. Yeah. <laughs> and an outline, Sam and I threw that had like a throwaway reference. You had done the whole outline? <laughs> no, 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 oh, no. Not for this. But oh. it was a separate story. But like, we just put it in the outline. I think it was Sam's joke of like, Niles comes in and he's just met some like, you know, like Central African dictator, and the parenthesis is like, you'd like him, Fraser Oxford man. <laughs> and I always thought, like, it was just like, it was just for the, you know, it was like just, that. This is going to get cut yeah, immediately. Just, yeah. This is really just where, you know, I mean, it wasn't even a tactic. It's actually a good tactic to have the thing that, like, is going to get shot down. So if somebody's going to shoot something oh, yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah, they start think, with the thing. Yeah, that you know, that was about. like, yeah. <laughs> Dan O'Shea used to talk about Burroughs in that way because Dan had run Cheers. Oh yeah, and like and Burroughs, James Burroughs, director yeah, of Cheers and Frasier. Yeah, Cheers and Frasier and Will and Grace, and yeah, you know, I just worked on Disjointed, which is a Chuck Lorre show, and in that room we would discuss who has more money. Oh yeah, Chuck or Jimmy. Oh, <laughs> um, and so there are two sides of it. I'm sort of for Jimmy because he also has all that guys and dolls money. Because his father wrote the book to Guys and Dolls. Oh, yeah. I think it's definitely Jimmy. Yeah, but Chuck is, you know, I mean, those, like, you know, that's keeping TBS alive. It's Big Bang. That's true. Fuck, man. It's so baffling to think about times when I've been in the rooms with them and just, like, 
just wanted to be like, just give me a thousand dollars. You won't miss it. <laughs> well, you know, it's like David Lloyd, you know, this legendary comedy writer who wrote like Chuckles, the Clown Dies and Mary Tyler Moore and things like that. And he'd be in the room a couple of days and Saladin Patterson like had just started and who may have been the only writer of color who ever was on Frasier. Oh, my and, God. And he turned to David Lloyd and just said, I have some money. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? He was a little baffled. Like Saladin, <laughs> Saladin in general kind of baffled. Like, yeah. I mean, it was definitely a generational thing with David. Like, we never really had young writers, but even yeah. like, you know, people of like my generation were like a little bit. Yeah. Like we had Sarah Silverman on and she was like, she improvised at the table, which was a definite no-no at Frasier. And oh. the Grub Street guys were furious and we had to talk them down. Wow. Oh my God. It's like you don't understand like, how, how great this... it is that Sarah Silverman is on Frasier. Yeah. And like, she was we'll great. Just, and just tell her. Yeah, I wrote yeah. that episode. Oh, great episode. Yeah, no, I'm like, because Sam and I wound up writing solo for like the last couple of years, yeah. but that was, that was a fun episode. That was a, that was a really good cast yeah. in that episode because like Sarah Silverman and like Valerie Mahaffey, who was really funny, and uh, TJ Knight. Because oh, yeah. Frazier's in private practice, and yeah. so everybody, and it he just all, all goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. Um, okay, well, Missy Pyle. Oh yeah. Well, we're running out of time. Yes. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? You want people to watch? Um, Disjointed. The next ten drop on Netflix uh, in oh, nice. sometime in January. Um, I felt like the first ten were a little uneven because any new show, you're sort of you know. So I think yeah. people did not like. I know a lot of people that didn't respond to the first few episodes, but I feel like we find our stride. The second 10 begin with this huge musical number that we closed the Warner back lot and shot with a day that has 80 extras and things like that. Because David Javerbaum, who co-created the show, uh, is a musical theater guy in addition to running the Daily Show for so many years. That's so great. So there's like a couple more songs in the second half. Like that's why I feel like we should go to. And also uh, Sam and I uh, are sort of, you know, working on extending this, but we wrote a serial on Medium. Like oh, 52, yeah. 52 uh, sort of installments of a very Augustus Carp-like guy. Um, and that's, you can find that uh, dear hyphen Glenn on meeting. All right. Hey. Chris Marcel, everybody. Yay. It's time now for Expert Hour. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We need an expert. We need an expert. We need an expert hour. Welcome to Expert Hour. Um, just tickled pink about our guest this week. Uh, he is here to talk to us about the weather. Is that right? Uh, please welcome Dum Johnson. Hey, how are you? Hello. Hi. Hey. Welcome. Hey, did I get your name right? Uh, Dumb Johnson. Yes, that's my name. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome call to me the... Dummy. Call me Dumb. All right. Is that uh, like a nickname? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. I guess I'm relieved born by that. Dan- yeah. Born Daniel, and uh, my parents uh, called me dumb my whole life. So, oh. dumb Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. well, I'm glad that that's uh, doesn't seem to be traumatizing for you. Well, uh, thanks. Um, so, okay. Let's. Are you? So, you're a weatherman. Is that correct? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm a weatherman. I. I, be, b- b- I. I'm not affiliated anywhere yet. But I uh, very much want to be a weatherman. Um, I'm in school for it. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm doing uh, fake weather. And um, I've been a pilot. So, you know, I flew through the weather. So I know what it looks like. And I know what it's like to be on up there in the clouds and uh, the sunshine. <laughs> and you've described the weather many times as a pilot. Absolutely. So. Like, so I will, before I take off, describe the weather uh, to the uh, people in the tower and then to the people in the plane. 
Yeah. Say, we got clear skies uh, <laughs> looking at us. And then I'll take a little pause and go, uh, <laughs> you got a cold front <laughs> coming in from the southeast. And, uh, you know, I think I can do that on TV is what I'm saying. Really study the science of uh, fake weather and make it... Uh, fake weather. Wait, yeah, can we back up a little bit? Yeah, what do you mean, what by, do you mean by fake weather? Well, yeah. it's, um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know the, if you know, the country's pretty divided right now. Uh, there's yeah. uh, people there's on both sides fake news. and there's a lot of fake, well, there's a lot of fake news, there's real news and somewhere in the middle, that's the truth, right? So uh, mostly... I don't know if that's where I'd locate it, but yeah. fake weather, it's, um, you know, uh, it would be like, uh, well, we got a uh, spaghetti front. <laughs> <laughs> coming in from the uh, southeast and so we're looking at uh, high temps through wednesday and uh and uh then it turns into uh a day where it's uh it's a rain of turkeys <laughs> so this is oh. a very uh cloudy with a chance, chance of, of meatball style yeah. uh, oh, i haven't seen that movie <laughs> oh. is that good yeah. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think you would really like it. Yeah, you'd, you'd love God, it. I love Pixar. <laughs> it's actually not Pixar. It's DreamWorks, right? It's DreamWorks, yeah. I think. Not a fan. Oh, okay. Then maybe <laughs> you won't. I don't know what where you draw your lines, but so. <laughs> well, I draw them and I'm going to try and start drawing them on a weather map with a, <laughs> with a light pen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, describe uh, describe, describe what's, what's weather that? patterns. Um. So can I ask you, like, as a pilot, um, mm -hmm. as someone who, you know, had to deal with that weather firsthand, like, what uh, do you have? a? F well, OK, I guess just as a pilot and as a person, do you have a favorite type of like weather? <laughs> you ever heard of cumulus clouds? Yeah. Cumulus? Yeah. We got micro cumulus clouds. Now, these clouds are tiny. They're made of droplets of water that are really, really small. And uh, it's like a cumulus cloud, like you'd see in uh, Super Mario Brothers or uh, okay, yeah, uh, on a cloudy day. Or, yeah. For example, look up look yeah. outside in Mario Brothers or in the sky. Many cloudy <laughs> yeah. days, but um, they're not they're not uh, you know stratus or anything like that, uh, or, mm -hmm. or like horse feathers. They sound cute, like yeah. a cute cumulus. Clouds. Yes, yeah. yes, it's a cute. It's kind of the baby. Of clouds, uh, in that it is cute to everyone. Uh, <laughs> Microcumulus. It's a tiny little cloud you can put in your pocket and take Aww. it on home. Uh, um, dumb Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a really good weatherman name. It's I think. catchy. Yeah. Dumb yeah. Johnson. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's fast. It's a real fast name. Yeah. So um, I guess... I mean, one of my biggest questions, I guess, is like whether it seems like weather reports, weather predictions are getting more and more accurate, but there's still so much room for improvement. Why? Like, where do you think that we're headed with that stuff? Like, how how oh. accurate are we going to get? We're going to get AccuWeather to be so accurate that it <laughs> is um, down to the minute. We're going to get it up to the minute. So it's going to be like 434. It's yeah. going to, you know, we'll have barometric changes. Um, it's going to be subtle and we'll have minute to minute. Um, it's not really worth much to many people, but we will have up to the minute, up to the second <laughs> weather change. Wow. We'll be able to predict also the weather um, anywhere in the world from anywhere in the world or from space and the space weather. Some of the weather from Earth, as you know, escapes into space. Um, oh, some I didn't of our know heavier that. snows, uh, rains and sleets will um, uh, just fall right up into space, unfortunately. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. Cool. Remember when uh, 
people were doing uh, experiments with uh, weather balloons and they would yeah. attach a camera to weather balloons. Remember that when that was the main news? <laughs> no, yeah. Remember that was... when uh, that was actually the most popular story? <laughs> Dominating the, the headlines? Sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, that was about four years ago. And, and, <laughs> you know, so now uh, I learned a lot from those uh, YouTubes. Let's Are just you say. thinking about Balloon Boy? Oh. Or just weather balloon, balloons? The Balloon Boy? Yeah. The little bitch. <laughs> he sold out his dad <laughs> on national TV. Stand by your dad, all right? Wow. You know? Hi. My son did that. I'd say, hey, idiot. His name's Idiot John. Yeah. I'd say, hey, idiot. idiot. Yeah. You know, go to your room. And then once you're in your room, go to the room of your room, which is the corner of your room. And don't look around until I knock on the door and then you're fine. Wow. Yeah. I'm a strict disciplinarian. So anyway, as you were saying, when weather balloons were in the news, so those go into yeah. space? Is well, that where you were? There was a big rash of weather balloons. These people were all about it. And it's all, it excites me to see kids getting into STEM, Yeah, uh, which is uh, science uh, study. And uh, when kids get into STEM, <laughs> study of, uh, it's science, technology, education, and music, I think. Um, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I probably won't. Um. Right. Well, STEM right. is very important. Uh, yeah. I learned about it. I thought from, it was going to stand for spaghetti and turkey. Well, yeah. it could. It could. ST is, uh, that's the first two letters. marinara. Yeah. Um, Wait, I, that that does raise an important point, which is, can we go back to uh, fake weather? Right. Well, uh, for example. Okay. Uh, well, go ahead. I guess, um, yeah, what would be the sort of point of fake weather? Well, let me just give you a little bit of a fake forecast here. A okay. fake cast. Um, next Wednesday, uh, we got a uh, warm front. Okay. Okay. Coming in from the Pacific Ocean. All right. And then we get a cold front coming in from the Indian Ocean, skipping two oceans, jumping over to the Atlantic. <laughs> wow. Coming all the way over to California. And it's going to start raining black eyed peas. We got uh, <laughs> freezing taboos uh, falling from the sky. And uh, we got a couple of uh, will I am uh, gusts coming down. And then we got um, oh, so scattered Fergies. Got and um, okay. we got Apple the App Flurries. <laughs> we got so Apple the what? It's a uh, black eyed pea mix. Yeah. Um, so, okay. <laughs> but it seems like with fake weather, you could, you'll be able to forecast the weather far in the future. Oh, far in the yeah, future. Yeah, I guess absolutely. that does, give that will be an advantage. Yeah, for example, give me a date. Okay. Um, how about next, uh, how about this Valentine's Day? Easy. February 14th. Yeah. Easy. It's going to be cold and wintry throughout most of the United States. And, uh, right here in Southern California, we'll have... Uh, um, uh, uh, trust flurries. It's going to be <laughs> trust, trust, and gratitude are going to be falling from the wow. sky. Sounds good. So it mm -hmm. sounds like to you, weather can kind of uh, refer to both, you know, the actual sort of meteorological uh, events and <laughs> also just sort of um, kind of vague feelings. Yeah, well, the fake weather, obviously. Um, feelings can come up. Um, Hip-hop yeah. bands. Whatever. And, and what have you. Just hip-hop? Just hip-hop, K-pop. Roscop. Royscop. Anything. Industrial stuff. I'm down, I'm down for it. I guess... Um, I mean, yeah. I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question. I feel like one of the main things that people sort of want 
out of a weather report and correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong is um, for it to sort of help them accurately understand what's about to happen. Yeah, to plan. To and plan I would say that it's good that you did ask that question because you would have been remiss had you not asked yeah. it. Now, <laughs> I predicted that. Um, in fact, I've predicted uh, quite a few people not being <laughs> remiss. Like, anyway, yeah. that's sometimes you could say that's up to the individual, but it's going to be raining um, uh, movie posters. Um, <laughs> but I guess I just mean like, don't you? I, I guess I ha- actually hadn't quite finished the question. Right. Um, okay, right. Well, it's just well, a, I, so what do you uh, <laughs> are you worried at all that if you um, just sort of set out to predict weather that's not real, that people will maybe not predict whether trust the, you as their weather predict weather what's not real, like fake. weather. Yeah, your fake weather. Like what oh. what value will that serve to people? And, and do you think you'll be in any way held accountable for it? Well, it's relative to the individual, isn't it? Um, now, whereas um, if you're a fisherman. Okay. Uh-huh. They have a saying. I don't know if you heard this. Red skies at night, sailors delight. Red skies in the morning, sailors warning. So sailors are all about looking up at that sky, seeing whether it's what color it is, right? If it's yeah. blue at night, they're like, uh, uh-oh. But if it's red, they're like, damn, let's crack open some brewskis because tomorrow's going to be dope. <laughs> but if tomorrow, if, you know, they wake up in the morning, it's early morning and the sky's red, they're like batting down the fucking hatches. We're going to go, yeah. you know, batting down the world, whatever they say, swabbing the decks. Yeah. And all uh, that. Yeah, exactly. So, so a sailor man, for example, uh, for example, Popeye, uh, okay. I believe Bluto was a grounded sailor. I don't, I don't know. Some, somebody like that would get yeah. a lot of value from having a lot more specific weather. A, a Dallas Rains would be good for someone like that. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, it's just like, would they get the value if it wasn't real? Like if you right. were, if you were predicting something that doesn't come to pass, Right. Wouldn't they actually be, you know, if you said, you know, hey, red skies at night and it wasn't red skies and then right. they would maybe go overboard on the boat. Well, they wouldn't want to go to wherever I'm doing meteorology like that. <laughs> this is not for them. You know, oh, it could be good. Yeah. They could like it. They could like yeah. it and appreciate it. But it may at the end of the day, it's for someone else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's something out there for everyone. And if I'm filling this need for people and people are coming out and watching it and I have an audience and that's what's yeah. valuable and that's what makes me uh, special. So it's really more about like the entertainment value. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, entertainment value. Well, it's, it's factual. It's definitely like uh, inform. It's, it's infotainment. Okay. It's yeah. infotainment, which is a really cool thing that I uh, have been really enjoying lately is infotainment. Yeah. Cause I like walking away from <laughs> entertainment being infotained. Yeah, um, we like to consider this podcast kind of infotainment. Yeah, definitely. Right. Say. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because it's real. It's real, and pretty much everything people say on it is true. Um, right. Almost. Almost. Almost yeah. entirely. Yeah, I would right. say. So that wasn't all lies before when I you you were interviewed. Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Good. I mean, intentionally, Chris did not work on Fraser, but right. other than no. that, <laughs> right. Um. I mean, do you guys have have questions? Is it in your profession? Yes. Is it a good gig or a bad gig if you're on the TVs there above the gas pump? If you're on the TVs above the gas pump, yeah, that give you the weather. (laughs) You know, when you pull in, just like the you know, here's the five day. Well, those guys clean up. It's all Saudi money. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The Saudis just funnel their oil money right into those TV programs, and they were just like from day one, they were like, when are we going to set up some TV? Wow. And so, yeah, 
so if you watch so that, it, that is a good gig. Then. It's really can. It's really hateful <laughs> towards women, uh, uh, non Saudis. Um, that's a situation anyway. where I would like to be infotained, right? Because you, it's yeah. it's not it's not really taining at all to pump your gas, right? Yeah. It's not taining at all. And if you <laughs> if you do, yeah, it would be it would be great to get a little uh, a little. You know, when you're in the elevator and like a big. Uh, uh, skyscraper or something you go up and there's that little news report thing you love yeah. that you yeah. get a little touch of the news you know ding yeah. right. ding oh something happened okay oh wow you know it gives like you a little the, download the that's sound what of i the ding is the or, or no, well, they have like little screens so oh. just like oh no the sound of the floors opening ding as you go up ding another yeah. floor you're on five right. ding an eight and you've just learned in an entertaining way from a television screen in an elevator, yeah. like four things you can talk about yeah. at the water cooler when you're trying to schmooze your way up the ladder of your corporate yeah. gig that eventually you'll... Um, digging the floors of your career, if you will. Digging the yeah. floors of your... Exactly. Thank right. you. Yeah, <laughs> Laying the foundation, pouring the concrete. Um, I, yeah. This metaphor is really taking shape. Um, can I ask... I mean, as a pilot, I know that that's not really your your stated area of expertise, but it's your background, and I feel like you know you're just getting started as weatherman. I, I, I just want to make this clear: I'm not a military pilot. Okay, I'm not stealing valor over here. Okay, I was an okay. airline pilot. All okay, right? for, what, not, for what? For what airline? I have an NDA. I'm not allowed to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to come out with a really big story. Oh wow! Yeah. Really? Yes. You yes. Give it's us a my, taste of it. Like, let me just say this: it's my turn. Whoa. It's my turn. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, it's my turn. Now. <laughs> I have so many questions that I don't think you can answer about that. Right. Um, NDA again. Uh, yeah. Again. It's American well, but- Airlines. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. I, you keep saying you have an NDA, but that also you were about to come out with a big story about it. <laughs> yes. I was forcibly tattooed. <laughs> yeah. I was huh? held down and tattooed. Just like just like a girl with a dragon tattoo, for example. Yeah. Another story where somebody's held down that poor man. <laughs> that poor <laughs> poor man is held down and tattooed, and I related to that a lot because they held me down and tattooed me. Uh, what did they tattoo on you? And this was I have it- signed an NDA. <laughs> Okay. Really, unfortunately, I just can't talk about. Is it. that like a typical practice at American Airlines? Uh, the NDA. Uh, well, <laughs> no, the, the, the tattooing. Tattoo. Yeah. Also, well, the but tattoo and either. the NDA. It seems like they have a program. Here's the money, and you sign this, and uh, and now hold still. Blank face man comes to your house with no <laughs> features. Oh my god! He just says sign this, and then you get paid. But yeah, that's terrifying. Does feels... he tattoo the NDA on you? Um, he did. Yeah. Oh, um, shit. after a while, but. That was a part of the part of the thing. Wow. I mean, I already didn't like that American Airlines has non-refundable tickets. Yeah, I know. That yeah. Also. also, they drag people off their planes. I was uh, it them that was that? United, I think. Well, let me but just say, American. it's all the same the deal, NAACP man. The NAACP is warning people against, uh, warning black people against flying American Airlines. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of discriminatory practices, oh, apparently. No. Well, let me sh- tell you who else should, they should warn. White people <laughs> and Indian people and everyone else. Literally everyone. Because these people are garbage. Well, I guess my question was, um, when you're flying through turbulence. It is your turn. <laughs> what? It is your turn. Yeah. It's, let me just say it again. It's my turn. <laughs> I guess I, I totally understand my why life you're, back. you're getting, getting out of the game and getting into weather. You found your voice. Wait yeah. till you see my 280 word tweet. 
All right, character tweets. Right. Oh, yeah. I yeah. got the 280 characters, and believe me, I'm going to use every single one. <laughs> Just like the buffalo for um, many cultures. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who would ever scrap any part of that delicious uh, giant animal? Anyway. Um, I guess my question is, when you're flying through turbulence, yes. uh, why does that happen? Like, well, is it we just don't the... call it turbulence as pilots. Yeah. We try and calm everyone down by calling it's a little bumpy out there. <laughs> I, I usually start with a big yaw. I'm like, <laughs> I like it when they call it chop. Yeah, yeah I was about to ask. Like a, a light chop. chop. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a little chop out there. So uh, we're going yeah. to uh, decrease altitude by 10,000 feet and see if we can't circumvent this chop. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. Yep, we got some micro cumulus clouds out there. So it's really just you're kind of chopping through clouds. Is that why that happens? I guess I just like don't really understand. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit. Are like, they like chops of meat? They could be chops of meat, if uh, depending on what kind of precipitation we're looking at. <laughs> now, uh, if we're looking at precipitation bacon, <laughs> we could have you know some really tasty fatty That's a little, grain. A thin chop. <laughs> That's a th- it is a thin chop, but it can't keep that ice off the wings. <laughs> You know, to keep ice off the window, grease them up. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I guess another thing I'm I'm wondering about is, you know, if you are reporting on the fake news, do you think that that will negatively affect your former colleagues who are pilots when they're sort of planning their routes and things like that? No, the fake news, that's the realm of the newscasters, the fake news. Now I would do the fake weather, but um, will that affect other pilots? It just depends on if they're kind of it's if it's their thing the fake weather then they're going to engage into the fake weather and you know it's going to be it's going to be good for them because you know i'm going to tailor it to them you know and um but if they're not into it they might want to um listen to the guy in the tower Uh um and say you know if they're flying into just double check this for me we're flying to the grand rapids and uh you know there's a sleet you know freezing rain and uh, maybe you should pull up and uh, try and land a buffalo because the uh, snow's coming off the lake, but it's dry. I don't know, you know, but I'll just be like, yeah. you know, 15 Kermit the Frogs have fallen in Milwaukee and nobody knows what to do. Everyone's sad. So let's go to the AccuWeather forecast. Here's the five day. Monday, we're looking at bagels. <laughs> Light cream cheese. Tuesday, we got a stadium full of rubber chickens pouring down in the valley. And in L.A., the stadium's pouring down? In L.A., a stadium full of In L.A., it's a rare rainy day. See, that's a that, that that's fake like weather. That yeah, one, that's a fake weather. You, put it, too, you know? sneak in some real ones, and it sounds more convincing. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, hey. um, I don't know about you guys, but I have t- exactly two more questions. Let's yeah, anyone. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm open. This is a really so, rare treat for me. Podcast. So um, lovely. One's a weather question and one's a pilot question. Which one do you want first? Um, let's see. Uh, the weather question That's first. Question. Yeah. Oh, damn. Fuck. Which? Okay. Oh, yeah, that was three. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So the weather question. <laughs> that was a person. Is question. are you, you know, if all goes well and you get a job as a weathercaster, do you think you're going to miss wearing um, chroma key green? Well, let me just say. <laughs> I live my truth, and uh-huh. I am a weatherman. So it's not yeah. an if thing okay, for me. Right. It's yeah. a I am thing. Uh, okay. All right? So yes. I'm already there. I just need to find the vessel. Yeah. Okay? 
Anyway, um, what was the question? Um, are you going to miss wearing a chroma key green? Chroma key green? Yeah, which is just the color of green. Oh, that's the same key, color as so uh, green out. screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> though it does make my eyes pop. I, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it, I, I, I will, I won't, well, you know what? No, I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to make okay. that choice right now. I won't miss it because yeah. I'm in the moment. Missing things is nostalgia and I don't do nostalgia. Wow. I'm right wow. Good for now. You. Yeah. I'm in the moment, secret, everything. Yeah. I dress for the job I want. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, you can't. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so then. <laughs> The uh, pilot question is, um, sure. why did they do that thing with their voice? The, uh, yeah, why did they do that? Well, uh, <laughs> I think it might have something to do with chilling everyone out. Oh. You know, because if a pilot's like, okay, oh god, oh boy, oh no, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call my mommy, and we're we're effed, we're effed. Oh man, look out the window. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're gonna see the Grand Canyon for the last time. The last, the last try and try and absorb the Grand Canyon. Oh no, no. Okay, we evened out everything. <laughs> but if you come out with a nice little caramel, little yeah, like uh, sexual kind of um, sort of relaxed, you know, just, kind of nonchalant, yeah, just yeah. letting your voice right. breathe. Quite storm in a way. Yeah. yeah. A quiet storm <laughs> brewing in Texas, and uh, there's nothing but tornadoes in sight. So <laughs> strap in your buckles and remember to put that seatbelt 10 degrees back so you can relax and your neck will never stop hurting. <laughs> do sleep dips that throw your spine out of joint for the next 20 minutes, and then you fart. And <laughs> for some reason, all farts smell the same on a plane. <laughs> they all blend together. Oh, yeah. They all get s- cycled through the... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, little... uh, we all go to the Garrison Keillor School of uh, Microphone Technique. <laughs> uh, he really leans on that mic and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> You can hear his breath, and you can yeah. hear the whistle in his nose. But what people don't know is he has a nose whistle. Oh, he's got a nose whistle. He does. Yeah, he puts a thing in there. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is part of his gig. <laughs> well, we are running out of time. Um, oh, are there God. any sort of parting thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? Anything you want to plug? Uh, let's bring back Celsius. You know, let's. Yeah, um, I'm into that. Why are we doing the Fahrenheit thing? It's kind of like, why do we have feet in measurement? It seems like we're, yeah. seems like a dinosaur. It seems like a, uh, it's like a, a, a vestigial thing, and we got we got to get rid of that. Go back to Celsius. Let's go back to the metric system. Let's get these. Let's get the the ten. Let's get on the tens. That's yeah. that's the, my campaign. Okay, um, measure on the yeah. tens. Let's get on the measure on the tens. I gotta say, it's pretty late in your interview to bring up your campaign, but yeah. okay. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's just one of the many, one of the many, one of the many things I'm, yeah. I'm involved with. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, this was great. Thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you yeah. so much. And I'm um, looking forward to meeting some of these babies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess that's the next segment. So yeah. maybe I'll meet them. And um, uh, The next segment is actually, what did I learn? So, Dumb Johnson, thank you very oh, much. Oh, yeah. It's Thanks time so now for what did I, I learn? Lisa, what did you learn today? Um, I just, 
I guess it was confirmed for me that Martha Stewart is a genius and has the temperament of one. Yeah. I think I knew that already, but it was nice to hear. Nice to put another tile in that mosaic. Ah, yes, a beautiful mosaic. Um, Chris, what did you learn today? Uh, I feel I learned a lot about um, what it means for somebody to speak their truth. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Someday it's going to be my turn. Yeah. yeah. Maybe actually that just happened. It seemed like that just happened. <laughs> that it was my turn. Yeah. And now your turn is over. Yeah. And we're going to turn it over to Dumb Johnson with the weather well, for what he learned. <laughs> you know, it's my turn. It's uh-huh. the one thing I learned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was, I was reminded of that. Yeah. I was yeah. reminded that it is my turn. And um, I just have learned that when it comes to me, I just love bouncing my stuff off of cool people. And I think you guys are cool. And thank you you for helping me triangulate myself in this big world of life that we're in. I mean, this is just a big... uh, Anyway, it's a big world of life. Anyway, for sure. Anyway, let's build a wall. <laughs> oh, right? okay. Let's build a wall. Keep these guys from hawking their drugs up here. No, right? that's my parting thought. Build a wall. Disagree. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Disagree. Boy. Oh wow. Oh boy. Well, we can talk about this the next time I'm on. <laughs> the wall of love. Um. Yes. Oh yeah, wall of love. <laughs> and I learned that uh, you know. Uh, while I haven't made my mind up about fake weather, I'm totally fine with fake midwives. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, that's our show, you guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, please continue to rate us five stars on iTunes and subscribe and all that. Yeah, send us your butt pics to babygeniusespodcast at gmail.com. Send us more wiki links. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mr. Emily Heller. I'm at Lisa Draws. And, and goodbye. goodbye. co-host of Minority Corner. Girl, guess what? What? We just hit our 100th episode. What? And what do you think is going to be in store for the next 100? Probably some more feuds with Jennifer Hudson. And I'm telling you, I'm We'll probably do more investigative reporting, too, like we did with the Kodak and their racist film. Not to mention exposing the truth, like how we did with the ugly history of the Texas Rangers. But we always lighten the mood with a splash of pop culture. Olivia Pope's new wig, have you seen that? It's popping. Just like your lip gloss. And Janet Jackson. And you know we like to put our nerd glasses on and talk about things like marvel it's true that's it (laughs) (laughs) i don't speak about dc (laughs) but you just did all from a perspective that's black queer and ladylike so come on over and learn laugh and play and join the corner it's a lot of fun i'm having fun right now (laughs) (laughs) minority corner maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned listener supported